0: 617, respond to report of shots fired. The Coroner Talk podcast takes you behind the scenes with coroners, clinicians, and death investigators from around the world to provide training, news, and interviews from leading experts in the area of death investigation and scene management, bringing real stories and solid training together in one source. Now, here's your host, Darren Dake. Well,
1: hello and welcome to this week's episode of Coroner Talk, the only podcast in iTunes dedicated to you, the listener. Those in the field of death investigation, supporting roles, and interested parties, I am honored to to have you along this week. Today's show is sponsored by the Medical Legal Death Investigation Online Academy, also known as Coroner School, which as of next month, July, Uh, It is going to have a certification test attached to it, so you can actually have a national certification once you complete this course. So you can go to coronerschool.com to find out more about that, the online Medical Legal Death Investigation Academy. In today's episode, I want to kind of bring back uh, something I talked about. Well, it's been a couple of years now, and it's a website and a, a new a new book, but it's a website called Ask a Coroner. Now you think, well, why am I bringing this back up? Well, I got to looking at this website and some of the questions that's being asked on there, and what these ladies are doing. Uh, this is a coroner, uh, Jackie Parcells, out of Illinois, and she answers a lot of questions, not only uh, from coroners, but mostly from citizens who are sending in questions from all across the country Uh, some of the things that they have dealt with some of the things that they do and and of course they've got a book that uh, spoiler alert you're going to die i think you know you probably heard about that again it's been a couple of years since i've brought them on i wanted to to re-talk about this issue and introduce you to this because it's a great book it's a lighthearted book but uh, the ask the corner website portion is really kind of a neat thing it may be something that uh, what they're doing on a national level, you might want to do on a local level. You might want to create a Facebook page or create uh, a website by a different name or something and, and maybe use some of what they're doing as far as asking and answering questions about death and death-related investigation. It might be a good thing for you to do locally. So I want to bring that back up and talk about that again. But, of course, before we do that, uh, I want to talk about some uh, interesting things that is in the news. All right, I want to talk just for a couple of minutes here about the whole coroner-sheriff thing in California that's been going on. Uh, Some other thoughts that I have about that. I do want to play you a news clip, and then I want to come back and talk about that. I want to talk about uh, the coroner in Marion County, Ken uh, Ken Holmes, a few years ago that was— outed because they combined the sheriff and coroner. Some of the reasons behind that. I just want to give you some ideas of why this is going on and some of the problems that has caused across the country. Uh, but first, let's listen to this, uh, this little news brief from San Joaquin County that has been the, in the news here as of late. San Joaquin County Sheriff Steve Moore is being stripped of his role as county coroner.
2: There's no negligence or malice of thought in anything that was done. The Board of Supervisors voted today to separate the role of coroner from the office of the sheriff.
3: New tonight, CBS 13's Steve Large is live at the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Department with what's next here. Steve?
2: And the Board of Supervisors voted unanimously on this decision and a move they say is for the best big changes inside the san joaquin county sheriff's department following an audit recommending the sheriff's role as coroner be removed and handled by an independent medical examiner the audit reading in part the coroner's office must be and appear to be independent of law enforcement sheriff steve moore pledged support of the change to supervisors who voted for it and noted the audit found no wrongdoing by his department everyone is doing the best they possibly can there is no nefarious no ideas there's no negligence or malice of thought in anything that was done the audit found both strengths and weaknesses in moore's sheriff's department under death investigations weaknesses included lack of investigative staff limited training and continuing education and standard operating procedures that are outdated and incomplete San Joaquin County Supervisor Tom Patty says his vote to strip the sheriff of coroner duties was not an indictment. He says having an independent medical examiner is simply best practices. And if you looked at the big picture of it, in every scope and every element of what we were offering, there were elements that we could do that much better. The audit was requested after two pathologists, including nationally acclaimed Dr. Benedict Malu, resigned under Sheriff Moore in December, alleging Moore was interfering with their work and offering a 100-page report chronicling their experiences. Community activist Motec Sanchez says he acquits the Board of Supervisors' decision as a vote of no confidence for Moore.
0: What it means for the
2: residents of San Joaquin County is now we can go to sleep at night Uh, having a little more confidence in our local government. After months of sheriff's department scrutiny, supervisors are now calling for change. And that change begins in 30 days. The search is on for a new medical examiner right now.
1: Okay, so let me weigh into this just a little bit. I don't have any of the specifics about San Joaquin County any more than what you do. I understand why it occurred. I know that the, that the pathologist that was there uh, left because of some problems. Uh, whether the sheriff did anything overtly wrong or not, I do not know. But here's what I do know. I want to bring up a little history here. So the whole... Uh, first off, let me, let me speak into what this uh, news report said. One of the audits or one of the things that the audits found was that when it comes to the death investigation side of San Joaquin County, the officers that were assigned to that lacked training in investigative practices for death investigation and continuing education. The problem is, now hear me, stop what you're doing just for a second, unless you're driving, keep your eyes on the road, but listen to me for a second. The lack of training in death investigation, that is a nationwide epidemic. And here we are, and this Sheriff's Department that is a sheriff coroner combination, and they've got people, detectives, and investigators assigned to work the field of death investigation there, and they have lack of training. Why is it that this whole... It doesn't matter what state you're in, and I know there's going to be pockets that are better than others, but what state you're in or where you work, there's a lack of training for death investigators. Again, that is why this podcast started. That's why uh, we worked with and founded Death Investigation Training Academy to fill that gap in that training. Now, this is not a commercial for that. What I'm trying to say is I know that there is a lack of training. I know that there's a problem. I have been seeing this. And here again, this audit in San Joaquin County found that there's a lack of training to investigate investigators who investigate death. Why is it, and I'm asking you this question, why is it that death investigators, coroners, ME investigators, sheriff investigators who work death is the last people to be funded or thought about? I don't really understand that. Now, let me bring up another uh, point here about the coroner Ken Holmes. Now, coroner Ken Holmes is across the bridge from San Francisco. It's in Marion County, California. It hasn't been but just a few years ago that he was outed at coroner when Marion County Board of Supervisors voted to combine the sheriff and the coroner. Now, they cited the reason they chose to do that was because of finances. They found that it would be cheaper to combine them. And so since uh, Ken Holmes's 10 years coroner was coming up he wouldn't be allowed to rerun but he could finish his term out uh, and so but now if you there was a book and uh, written about this called the education of a coroner written by john batson bateson maybe and uh, it's called the education of a coroner it's a black cover you can find it in amazon but it details the life of marion county and ken holmes uh, and from the time he started you know in high school on up, and it 's really interesting, but one of the things they find in in there is is what actually started this not now hear this what started the problem in Marion County was that Ken Holmes ruled a death of a seventeen year old a suicide, and because his parent grandparent actually but his parent did not want that ruling. Through fits and through fits and through fits with the county government and with Ken Holmes and with others, and Ken wouldn't change it. Ken Holmes said no, this I'm not going to change the manner because someone wants me to change the manner. This is based on the, on the investigation. Well, some of the political leaders of that time got tired of them coming into the office, and then this grandmother has started saying, well, the, you know, the Board of Supervisors, um, they're the one that's wrong. They're, so politically, hear me, politically. It was pushed. The only way to get rid of Ken Holmes because they wouldn't change—he wouldn't change the death certificate. Okay, so let's get rid of him. The only way we can get rid of him is let's go ahead and combine the sheriff coroner. Now Ken Holmes ran for sheriff. Of course, he lost uh, the sheriff race. But uh, it, the, 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 see that—that that made that—that's what happens. Okay. Some of them combined for finances. Now, they did talk about finances, but again, he was told specifically what this was about, and it was about getting rid of Ken Holmes. So other counties around us combined the sheriff in the corner, so let's combine the sheriff and corner as well, and that way we get rid of Ken Holmes, and we we can save some money. Save some money. Now, think about that. You know, one of the things that they talked about at that time, just two three years ago, was Ken Holmes' budget was about a million dollars, and the sheriff's budget was like 15 million or something like that. So they wanted to, they wanted to save the money, so they combined them. Here's what that means. The sheriff's department didn't necessarily get additional money for this, right? They saved that money uh, at least at least in part, but then did not cut down on an independent death investigation. Again, coroner's death investigators are pushed to the back because it's not important. It's a political pawn. It's not important to fund. And the whole thing about combining these sheriffs and coroners in California is starting to come home and bite the decision. It's not good. It's not a good decision. But even when you look at what's going on in the rest of the country where we have uh, coroners that would love to get more training, would love to be able to get some uh, some accreditation or or even to have some specialized training, The counties won't pay for it. Again, don't be writing me letters saying, well, my county does, fantastic, I'm glad your county does. But those are pockets, okay? I've got coroners wanting to come to my classes that that, that I teach or wanting me to come teach for them or something like that. And we're talking about a few hundred dollars, you know, three or $400 for a week-long class, and they cannot get their county to fund it. But the sheriff has his money, you know, they, they have a training budget. Everybody's budget is tight. Everybody's budget is tight, including your personal budget and all the government's. I get it. But the least funded of nearly every department in a county or in an administration is the coroner. And it, it revolves around training. You want to have a better coroner system? It isn't about changing the system. It isn't about combining them with the sheriff. It isn't about hiring a medical examiner, or pathologist. It's about getting the people trained and getting standards and requirements set, not just trying to save money. So the whole thing has become a real hot topic. started you know it comes started in California with the combination, but this whole thing started uh, with this with the uh, San Joaquin county starting to uh, show some things. Again, I don't think it's going to end. I think it's going to be a real fallout across the country of, of what we're going to. I, mean, I think it's good. I think it's going to be a good fallout. I think we're going to start seeing where you want this. You want this changes? Then someone's going to have to start funding the changes. So I'm actually looking forward over the next couple of years to the improvement of the coroner systems throughout the country. I am not an advocate of getting rid of the coroner system. I think that is the worst thing you can do. You can see in California how it's starting to bite them to get rid of the coroner system. I think that the the answer is to train coroners, to have better standards, to educate coroners and to help them do a better job, not just push them to the back and not pay attention to them. Uh, The answer is in combination. The answer is training. All right. Two training topics, and we're going to get right into our, our topics today uh, with our conversation. Uh, this, as you listen to this live, you're listening to this the first part of June 2018. And in July of 2018 is the next online uh, academy. 40 plus hours worth of, of training plus downloadable material, things like that. And you'll learn more about this as time goes on. But, but we have worked with, I have worked with a team of experts coroners, pathologists, criminalists, uh, supervisors all across the country, and we have developed a certification exam. It's going to be hosted by a third party. You'll find out more about that. But the starting in July, anybody that has taken the medical legal online class in the past or going forward is allowed to set for that certification exam. So starting July of 2018, if you want to become a death investigator, if you want to improve your skills, if, you, if you're thinking about going into the career and you want to have something up on the next competition, here is something uh, that will really help you. It, it starts July 14th. Uh, go to There's a lot of ways to get to it. You can go to training at the website and it'll take you to the, the links of all the training or just go to coronerschool.com coronerschool.com it isn't just for coroners it, it, that was an easy thing to put but it's for anybody who investigates death. police coroners medical examiner investigators attorneys, uh, those wanting to enter the field that wants the training, all of that is what this course is for. And then July 16 and 18 here in Missouri, July 16 through 18 is the Buried Body and Surface Recovery class. We've actually got some skeletons buried. We're going to learn the difference between human bones and animal bones, and we're going to have a, an anthropologist here, forensic anthropologist, going to go out and help us do some digs and find these skeletons It's going to be a fantastic time. And then the last one I'll mention is in October, again, is our Medical Legal Death Investigation Level 1 course here in Missouri. Uh, This will probably be the last time that it's a three-day course. Uh, Starting next year, it's going to be a five-day course. And then from that course, you'll also be allowed to take the certification exam. The only difference in the one in October, it's the same one we've had for a couple of years. The only reason it's going to be changing is because we're going to do a little bit more field work. Uh, so it's going to be longer, but it's going to be a little bit more expensive. But the one coming October is a three-day course. It's been well-received over the last few years we've done it. It's a fantastic course. So it may continue, and we may just add another component. I'm not sure. But anyway, October, go to uh, the website, go to training, and you'll be able to see that. We've got them coming in. They just registered from Virgin Islands. I've got them coming in from other states. So not only are you going to be able to learn, you're going to be able to network with people from around the country and other countries who come for this class. So it's a fantastic time. So anyway, you can go to cornertalk.com or uh, deathinvestigation.training and you can find all the training links there. So without any further delay, let me get into this conversation that I had about this topic of uh, spoiler alert, you're going to die and ask a corner. I think you're going to find this very educational and again, something that I think you can bring to your area to help.
0: Adjust your earbuds, turn up those speakers and hang on. It's now time for this week's Featured
1: Conversation. All right, we're back and joining me on the phone today, like I introduced earlier, I've got two people on the phone with me today. We're going to talk about a great book, a great uh, blog. It's really something kind of interesting and different. Uh, Jackie and Courtney, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So as I introduced a little bit before, Courtney is an author And unrelated totally to the to the death investigation community. And Jackie is a deputy coroner with Kendall County, Illinois. Um, and so these two have gotten together and has written this book that I want to talk about. Uh, spoiler alert, you're gonna die. So, Jackie, let's start with you. What's what promoted you guys to get together and write this book and what is spoiler alert you're gonna die all about?
3: (laughs) Well, um, actually, you should probably start with Courtney. She's the one who actually came to me and said, you know, all of this information that you're putting out is, um, something that I think that needs to get out to the masses. I think this is information that everybody needs to know, um, in a, a comfortable way, something that makes it easy for people to be able to open up that dialogue and talk about death because it's something so, you know, everybody, it's a universal experience. Everybody's going to die. and um the the title of the book took some took some time we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and we actually kind of delved into the book and there's a there's a story behind why the title is called you're going to die because i uh, talk about a uh, a death of a woman who when i approached the family for what, what funeral home would you like to use and uh, the family said oh we you know we don't know we we have it, it, this was so unexpected. we don't have a funeral home choice and I thought, well, how can this be... Like, She's 93 in a hospital bed in your dining room. Like, how unexpected really is this, you know? Like, I can't believe that this isn't a subject that was not brought up, that wasn't talked about, that isn't even something that you you, you think about. So that's where it, that kind of came from because we, we had gone back and forth. And we actually, for the longest time, for the entire year, we were writing the book. The book was called Ask a Coroner, which is the same as our blog. So, um. Um, at the end, we we decided we needed to change it to something to kind of catch, uh, I guess, catch a, a broader audience. I guess, but, but really, what it came down to was Courtney, who uh, came to me and said, I, "I really think that you and I can collaborate on this. If you're willing, I'm willing, and, and let's jump in together." And I'm like, "Let's do it. I think it's a great idea." So, as it turns out, it was a great idea. It's been it's been going um, really well for us. So.
1: Yeah, it's a very interesting book, and and you're you're right. It, it is interesting that and odd in a way that. So many people don't think about this. And and of course, I understand when you're in your 20s, you're first getting married. And, oh, OK. Even then, you should think about it. But like you said, she's 95. She's laying in the hospital bed in the dining room, dying. And nobody thought about a funeral home. That It is odd. But you're right. I deal with those cases the same way all the time. Nobody knows anything. And they got to call people to figure something out. So uh, that that is a very good point. So, Courtney, oh, uh, over to you. So, again... Nothing about death investigation, you are probably the furthest from um a death investigator, as you said that there can be, and she kind of talked a little bit about it, but how did this come up, and why did you think this was such a good idea?
4: Well, so I am exactly one of the twenty somethings that you are referring to. I married have a couple of kids, but i'm I'm young, and i've never i mean I had never given thought. Really, to planning for death, I was sort of like, ah, I don't care what happens, do whatever you want when I die. You know, not my problem, no big deal. And I found myself on um, an internet forum where Jackie was, and it's a forum for regular people, just for moms, not you know particular to the death industry at all. And she had basically said, Hey guys, I'm a deputy coroner, and um, this is what I do. Do you guys have any questions for me? And the response, the interest in Jackie was overwhelming. And I myself found myself so intrigued and interested in reading the questions that people had for her and the answers that she was providing. And the overall tone of everything that came out of that thread is that, number one, people do not think about the details of death. They don't think about dying. They don't want to think about any, any aspect of it because it's such an emotional subject. And um, number two, that people need to be thinking about this stuff and that it has the potential to change your life, um, make it so much easier for your family, when you do pass away, if you've thought about this stuff, and to really um, begin opening up a dialogue with your friends and family to connect each other and um, make these really important decisions. And so after seeing the impact that this thread had on thousands and thousands of people, I just thought this needs to be made into a book, you know, we need to be able to normalize the conversation. And with the way that Jackie was answering the The questions, we were able to inject this um, amount of humor and wit and lightheartedness to make it really something that's an enjoyable read, but a meaningful and impactful read that can get anybody in the mindset of thinking about death and then beginning to prepare for it. It's interesting. That's really how it came about.
1: (laughs) yeah and, and it's interesting when I when I read it the the type of questions in the, the way the book is written a lot of it is question and answer type things and and mm-hmm. people have asked some pretty odd questions but but of course that just shows that a lot of people most people don't know the answers you know one of the th- ones I've, I found a little bit entertaining was they asked what happened to the braces during cremation I believe that's how it was uh, like dental mm-hmm. braces um and and so, yeah. and so do you remember any other really unique or odd questions that came up, and I'm putting you on the spot there, but anything you really really unique that came up in that book?
4: You know, I think well, there was such a large series of questions, but one of the most infamous sort of questions that was asked that everybody just wanted to know is, um like what are the most interesting things you found in a body, you know um and that was just sort of this question. Everybody just couldn't get enough of it. They just wanted to know, you know, what sort of things do you find when you're working with dead people? You know, what do they smell like? What? And so I think that's just this morbid curiosity that people have. They just, you know, nobody wants to actually really go there, but they have no problem asking a coroner, you know, um, these questions. And another one that was um, extremely interesting was people were really curious about, um, the spiritual realm. They thought that Jackie, since she's worked with, you know, um, bodies may have encountered ghosts or, um, you know, had weird paranormal activity happen to her. And that seemed to be just really odd to me that people would even think of that. But there were really a lot of entertaining, a lot of entertaining questions.
1: So, so let me ask you, Jackie, in all the years that you've been a deputy coroner, have you seen any ghosts?
4: I,
3: <laughs> I have not seen any ghosts and I have, uh, I've decided that the spirits must stay with their families and whatnot, that they don't, they don't come to the morgue. They, uh, they don't stay with the body. They stay with the families and whatnot. So that's, that's how I can, uh, handle being by myself in the morgue at two in the morning and, and not get scared.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> I, that's nothing,
4: I nothing think, creepy going on. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so funny that Jackie answers that way. She says, Oh no, no, I've never had experience with a ghost, whatever. And then in the next, breath she says oh well you know there's this weird little thing where no clocks can stay set around me but that has nothing to do with my job
3: you know and it's <laughs>
4: like...
3: <laughs> well i know i do have trouble with clocks staying set they they seem they run fast all the time i even the ant or uh i almost said anatomical the uh, atomic clocks they they run fast i don't understand it i i'm i'm thinking those are set by like the world somehow or the universe but they never stay on time by me. I don't know what's up with
1: that, but well, you know, I that's I really that
3: the one, that's the only that. odd thing I have that
1: goes on. <laughs> well, I've been around it for a lot of years, and I and I've worked with them just like you have, Jackie, from the scene all the way into the morgue and and things. And of course, I I help a little bit with a local funeral home when they need me, and and uh, I've never I've never had anything like that happen either. But but I'll tell you if this. Um, you know, this, this TV show, the walking dead, you know, if, if the zombie thing would ever break out, right. We're the first ones. that's probably going to be in trouble, you know, because, <laughs> because until we know that's right? going on, right. We're going to, we're going to probably, and you know, uh, I, it was a funny story about that. I was not about zombies, but about this ghost thing. I was in the morgue, I don't know, several months ago and I, I pushed a a body into the cooler. And we got a smallish kind of cooler. And uh, we have the the, the the cots in there. So I, I pushed them in and, and, and I had to straighten the cot up and pull it in with me because we were kind of full. And the door was closing. And of course, the light was off. The door was closing. And, and that was n- no big deal. I mean, you, I walk up to the door and push the door open. But there was a police officer that had come and needed to take some pictures prior to me finishing up as well. And and as the door started to close, I kind of looked at his, I kind of recognized something odd on his face. And then then when I opened the door, he was like, dude, I seen that door closing. And I'm like, no. I'm like, <laughs> why? I mean, he's like, dude, I wouldn't be in there in the dark with the door closed. I Okay, well, the thing hey. is. Right, they're they're dead. They're not going to get up and do anything. But people don't want to. People don't want to be around it, and so uh, they do have this morbid curiosity, uh, and maybe not a morbid curiosity at all the time, just a curiosity. And and mm-hmm. people have this thing that they're, you know, they're they're. There's not only sometimes they're scared of dead people, that not necessarily, but they're certainly. You know, they don't want to be around it. You know, they they, they don't want to mm-hmm. do what we do. They don't want to see it. They don't want to. Even some of the police officers coming and taking pictures. Um, you know, if I have to draw blood, if I have to draw vitreous, vitre, something like that, they don't want to be around it. They're like, can you just wait till we're done? Because you don't need to be sticking needles in people. I don't want to see this. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But so you're right. So this book makes, a, uh, and and your blog makes, ability to people ask questions that they wish they had answers to, but they never really know anybody to ask.
3: Exactly, and and maybe they're a little too embarrassed to ask if they do know those. Two, you know what I mean? This is just right. there's there's a, a certain a uh, bit of um, security in being anonymous. You know what I mean? Right. You can just you know, and some who was it in the in the book that asked? Um, do we judge you if you sh- if you don't shave your legs? <laughs> yeah. sometimes it just depends. Well, but um, what you are know, some other things back. in the book?
1: Go ahead. Go. What are some other things in the book like that that stand out?
3: Oh my goodness sake! Um, the Snickers bar. That's that's kind of going back to what Courtney was saying earlier. That boy, people still talk about that all the time. But the I would say.
1: So tell us about you know, the snicker I bar. Think
3: what, in the book, what stands out the most is the stories of, uh, like, case studies kinds of, of stories. The, that's what people want to hear about. What, what, what was your worst case? Tell me, you know, tell me about a kid that died. Tell me about a sad story. Tell me about an interesting story. Tell me something, you know, I, people want to learn the different dynamics of the different types of cases and whatnot. And um, I think some people actually learn from that. I think some people, we've been able to, you know, people are wearing their seatbelt properly. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, you know, because I had that 10-year-old girl that was transfected at the waist from wearing her seatbelt improperly by putting that shoulder harness behind her. I'm like, you know what, They're their little bodies, they can't hold, you know, they they can't withstand it, even though they're old enough to not have to have a booster seat. If that seatbelt doesn't fit you properly, you need to wear your seatbelt properly. You need a booster seat, whether you're past the age of what the law says, you need a booster seat or not. So, you know, people, I think it gets people thinking like, oh, I... Maybe I need to change my ways a little bit. The same way that I talk about heart attacks and, you know what, sometimes it's just um, indigestion feeling and, you know, you start to notice a pattern over time and whatnot and you're not necessarily having indigestion as much as you're having a heart failure and, and it's mimicking those same kinds of symptoms and whatnot and, and people are missing those symptoms and so people start to think, hmm, maybe I, maybe I have something or my dad or my uncle or so-and-so, you know, and maybe they can relate to those. I mean, think about it, Darren. How many times do we see people who've had heart attacks when they're in the bathroom? You know, it happens all the time.
1: Yeah, the cardiac so. pooping. Yep. Yep. They have to go to the bathroom. In fact, I had one of those just uh, two nights ago, three Three nights ago. Somebody uh, had an yeah. emergency to go to the bathroom, and they never made it to the bathroom. Uh, so, so, Courtney... Right. um so what have you learned through this? You know, uh, again, you're coming from an, uh, a completely opposite corner position. What have you learned? What's the biggest thing that stands out to you?
4: Well, the, um, I've learned a few things. And I think the first thing that I learned um, from all of this is that coroners are so much more than I thought. And I think the idea, I mean, for me coming in without knowing anything is that I thought coroners just, you know, they just work on bodies. Basically, and um, they're there, and they basically just do autopsies, and I just you know I sort of imagine this person just in a cold metal room with a body, and um, what I've learned is that they are so much more than that they're really you know they're showing up at the scene, and there's a big puzzle there, and they're really trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and sometimes those pieces include caring for families or, um, you know, comforting and finding information and, you know, doing some investigative work. And there's just so many pieces to the puzzle. And it's so much more than just, you know, physically handling a body. And that was um, eye-opening to me and very comforting to know that there are coroners here that will help my family um, through the process. You know what I mean? It, if I die tomorrow, it's it's just comforting that there's people like Jackie out there who are going to be there. You know, from the scene until the death certificate and everything's done, till I'm at the funeral home. You know, walking each and every part of this process through. And then um, the second thing that I learned is that death is going to happen to us all. We're all going to die. And even if we don't want to think about it, there are so many things that we need to be thinking about um, and that we need to be sharing with our families and friends. And um, that's sort of this book has just opened up that world of sort of separating the extreme emotional um, sadness when you think about death. And that's why a lot of people don't want to think about it. It's just sad to think about. But um, with this book, we've been able to sort of remove that extremely emotional, um, part and sort of make it humorous and informative and, um, you know, important. And so people can start becoming comfortable. We sort of hook them with the interesting questions, like what, you know, what does a dead body smell like? But then we move into, you know, all these important things, like what are your options available when you die? And, how do you make sure that um, your friends and family are able to care for all these things that will happen after you pass? and so I really just realized that death doesn't have to be sad um, when you talk about it. it can be funny and interesting and entertaining and that we need to be talking about it um, that's that's really the big takeaway here.
1: well, you mentioned something about you know the compassion side and and, and things and um you know Jackie, I read a uh, your Open letter to parents that yeah that um I don't know exactly when you published it hasn't been very long ago. I know that we shared that on uh on our corner Facebook page from you. What promoted that and and tell us a little bit about that open open letter.
3: Well, here's the thing is is when we did the uh, when I did the first question and answer thing, one of the things that really kind of got to the the general public that were that was just reading. It was the fact that I say, you know, when um, whenever I have kids or babies, like uh, instead of body bags, I try if, if if it's manageable, I'll just wrap them in blankets instead of putting them in body bags, and I leave the lights on for them, and those kinds of things that just to me as a mom are just comforting things for my kids. So it's kind of like I'm, I know that you aren't not you're you're not in a position to do this part of taking care of your kids, but I want you to know that I'm going to be here. I'm going to step up and I'm going to take care of these parts of the, of um, where you, you can't, I'm going to take over where you, you have to leave off at this point. Um, and I'm sure you've had, you know, situations where you've had children or um, babies or children die and the parents, you know, they, they try to take them home with them or take them away or take, you know, and, and you have to, kind of build that comfort with them to say you know what I'll, I'll take care of them I, I promise you I, I'm making this promise to you right here and right now I'm going to take care of your loved one I'll have this respect and and you know that respect is obviously across the board I probably of all the things that we have respect for the dead body is is my number one thing that I that I go to but to take care of the, the babies the children and even the, the teenagers and whatnot you know that's still their I couldn't even imagine. So I can't even I can't even put myself in that parent's shoe to say, I know how you feel because I have no idea and I have no desire to know how they feel. But I do know that I am in a position that I can take care of their loved one the way that they would if they could do it. And so I think it's important that they know that those parents know that the the love and the care for their their child doesn't leave because the door closes and they leave. You know what I mean? Right, right. And so, I I think it's important for them to know.
1: Right, and this and this letter that is um is 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 an amazing letter. It's a long letter, but and I'll try to put a a, a copy of it a link to it in the show notes for this episode. But it, it it you know when you read it, it's just an amazing letter that you're that you're that you're t- talking to parents and and I think all corners would. Um, coroners and death investigators would certainly uh, agree with your feelings, uh, how you know what you put in this letter, and you're you're right. When I have when it's feasible, if I have a baby or a, a child small enough that I can carry, and once they get to be teenagers, become a problem. But but I'm the same way. I don't I don't like body bags. Uh, you know, I'll wrap them in a blanket if it's feasible. There are situations that we can't, you know, but for the most part, okay. we do. And and you know, if, if they're if they're a, a small child. Uh, I, a lot of times, you know, this may be right or wrong, but, but we'll, we'll have a blanket unless they, depending on the, on the, on the case or the scene, uh, we, we may use one of our own sterile blankets, but, um, sometimes I'll put them on the cot, but there's a lot of times if, if it's a baby, I've actually set them in the seat and put a seatbelt on them so they not set up, but lay down, you know, but <coughs> I just, you know, put them in the seats, seat belt them in so that, you know, so I don't, if I stop fast, you know, we don't have anything like that, but, but to me, it's you know, putting them in a body bag or even putting them on the cot and strapping them on, especially when you're dealing with an infant or or, or two or three, four or five years old. They're so small. Um, Right. And and I don't know. I I was thinking for a long time that I was the only one that kind of thought that way. But and of course, I I know now that I'm not and certainly you're not either. Um, And I think the kids, there's something more about kids that we, you know, do a little a little differently a different end i guess and i think it's good to know that uh, for the parents to know that we uh that, that, that we feel this way I, I know i pick babies up in the hospital and again uh, the hospital has them wrapped i wrap them up i've carried them out of the hospital just in a blanket you know i go out you know i try to avoid people most, as much as i can but i, I don't want to put them in bags and strap them to cots it's i don't know it's it's a baby you know and and i i, I guess i don't leave lights on Uh, I guess maybe I, now that you mentioned that, I might start, but I don't, I don't leave lights (laughs) on for him, but, but I understand why you're doing it. And of course, you you know, you're a mother, you know, mothers are always different than fathers. And so, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you think about that more, but, but that just shows, you know, about this book and not only this open letter, but this book as a whole, you're really trying to educate the public on the, on the normal questions that they have that they're either too afraid or too embarrassed to ask. And, and it you know, it, it's amazing. And then that, that goes into this Ask the Corner blog. So who wants to talk into that? How did that occur and kind of what is that? Uh, what do you do on the blog, Ask a Corner? I'm
4: going gonna I'm gonna to let Courtney answer that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the... The book is based off of um, the parenting forum where, you know, the thousands of people sort of asked Jackie these questions. And I think we just realized that um, it was so impactful. There were so many good questions and there was such a good, open conversation that sort of just sparked this dialogue um, between, you know, thousands of people that we thought it would just make, um, make great sense to sort of open it up to even the wider public and invite people who maybe have a question or, um, you know, have gone through a tragedy and want some clarity on how their loved one was handled or things like that would be able to sort of connect with Jackie, connect with somebody who knows um, a little bit, you know, about what goes on and be able to ask her these things. And so that's, um, we actually just recently launched launched that blog, and we've been receiving questions, and it's just, it's been like a continuation of the book, basically, Um, and it's been great. We've gotten some good information, and we've made some great connections, and I think it's just a great tool for the normal, average person who just, you know, might watch CSI or, you know, read news stories that have that sort of, um, you know, the catchy feel to them about um, death and things like that be able to just sort of get in there and ask a question and uh, and find out, you know, these random things that they're often wondering.
1: So it's, it's gaining in popularity? Is that what you're saying?
4: Yeah, it's been picking up. So it's new. But um, yeah, I think and since the open letter was put on there, it's also just a place for Jackie to be able to share her heart. And I think what we're trying to do here is show that, you know, who coroners are, what they do. And um, how they're here to help and the importance of the coroner and the importance of talking about death. And so um, since then, yeah, we've just been getting a lot of a lot of feedback and a lot of questions. And um, I'm hoping that it continues to pick up popularity because it's just been a great, like I said, a great door opener to get people comfortable. You know, once they ask a question and they get an answer um, and maybe they answer up a little bit of humor or maybe it's comforting or whatever, I think they're just much more open to the idea of death and thinking about these aspects. So it's a great gateway um, into, you know, figuring out these important life things.
1: Right, and one of the one of the latest ones is about uh, whether or not a, a coroner covers up suicide. And, of course, I guess mm-hmm. Jackie answered that. Um, I guess she's the one that actually does the answers to them. And, and it's a great answer. Uh, and I don't know people may people may have that question this person obviously had that question do you know any background on that or was that just a generic question that came through
4: i mean so unless noted our questions are just anonymous and so somebody um you know they went on com and they there's an ask tab and they just typed in that question and it got sent to us and um, i sent it to jackie and that was her response so uh I really don't know the background or anything, but I thought that that question was interesting because the person sort of almost had it justified. You know, um, they were sort of almost like, well, obviously, you know, you're going to want to try to cover it up because of the insurance and the stigma and things like that. And I thought that was very interesting that it was even a question in someone's mind that a coroner would cover up a cause of death. So, yeah, it's definitely eye-opening. I think the general public, that just shows. That the general public really doesn't know how the process works. And so it's just, it's been great to be able to sort of enlighten people on these issues.
1: So, Jackie, did that surprise you when, you know, when you're learning here that, that the general public, A, has the some of the questions they have, and B, that they really don't know? Um, some of the
3: questions have definitely surprised me. I, I was surprised a lot more on the, I would say a lot more on the the funeral side of things that people have had no idea about how embalming worked or or what happened with embalming or sometimes people didn't even know that not being embalmed was even a choice. You know, I I think one of the biggest things that that came out of this is people realizing that they had choices on their disposition. You know, I think everybody pretty much knew either you had an open casket with a burial or you had a cremation of some sort. You know what I mean? Like that was it. And People didn't realize how many things were available to them, and and whatnot. So, I think th- um, I think just people realizing what kinds of things are available as far as their their own disposition or disposition for loved ones are. I think that was interesting for for me to to realize that maybe people need a little bit more direction when you know when I'm with a family and I I just say, well, you know, you have a funeral home preference. I think it's important to maybe go into a little bit more. Have you thought about what you want? Do you want to do a funeral? Do you want a cremation? Do you want, you know, exactly what it is that you want so we can help better anticipate their needs of what they want and um, and who we can better... You know, not that not that I'm by any means um, suggesting one funeral home over another or anything like that, but you know, maybe if they're looking at wanting to do donation, well, there's these different, you know, there's two or three different companies that you can that you can go through that you can do, you know, whole body donation, so you can do tissue, organ and tissue donation, and or you can do this, or you can do shared donation, and and things that people just didn't even realize, and that I would never have thought to ask. And quite honestly, when we go back and talk about the book, the Probably the the most negative review that we hear is that it's too short. They want more. They want more. They want more. And I'm like, okay, we, you know, I think that's where the Ask a Corner blog comes in handy because of the fact that there are, people want more. People want more. People want more. And there are more questions out there. There, and you know, on the um, original back and forth questions, that, that was like 2,000 questions that just kind of came out of. Two or three days of just back and forth, back and forth questions, but that didn't include the private messages that I got. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of messages that I got privately for people who had questions about things, and and um, people who don't realize that they have the right to just call the coroner and say, "I want to see the file." You know, people who don't realize that they have the right to even look at, the, at their, you know, their parents. Paperwork and whatnot, and that's where I, there's a part in the book where I'm like, hold your coroner's accountable. You know, they they can help you to get where where you need to go and and answer some of these questions. And like you you shouldn't have to have so many questions about your your own loved one's death because those answers are there if you just meet with your coroner. And you can certainly, you know, I'm trying to make coroners more available to the to the public. So.
1: foreigners probably
4: get mad at me
1: (laughs) no i i think it's a great idea what so uh what do you think about and who knows what the questions would be that take that take certainly some some thinking but you know what uh what would be and i'm thinking out loud here's all what would you think the advantage of would be to maybe have uh, some type of a of a card printed postcard size or bigger something that that has some common questions on it. You know what choices do I have? What what about body donation? What about organ tissue donation? And, and and coroners could give those to families if they if they have one or two questions on the scene, they can give them a card that has maybe ten different commonly asked questions. I don't I don't know if that would be beneficial or not. But
3: well, I have um, there are I have three different handouts that I give to um, family members depending on what the need is. One is a kind of a question and answer as far as what is toxicology, what is autopsy, how you know, how long until I get reports, what's an inquest, or, you know, those kinds of things. So just kind of quick answer that because, quite honestly, at a scene, when I'm talking to a loved one who just experienced the death of, of somebody and it's a, a tragic type situation, they don't even hear me. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I try to either find another contact person that can kind of be that go-to person, but at the same time, if I give it to them in writing... You know, the next day when they're when they're a little bit better able, or the next day or a couple of days later, they can look through that and, and kind of have those answers, and and certainly um, contact me if they have further questions. But then there's also just a a general, you know, here's here's a list of the information you're going to need to gather when you go to meet with the funeral home. It doesn't matter what funeral home it is, but you know, there's demographic information here that I don't need to know that you're going to have to know before you go in there. And it, it, was your you know was your father a veteran? You're going to need his DD 214. You know these are things that I try to get people to realize in the book that, hey, get this information together because your family, when they're grieving, isn't gonna they're not gonna wanna go searching for all of this information, but yet. Obviously, there are going to be times where somebody is going to die and they don't have all of their information. And so we'll say, you know, you're going to want a picture if you want a picture for an obituary or if you need a picture. A lot of times the funeral directors ask for pictures just for doing the hair and makeup and those kinds of things. Or um, you're going to want to pick out the clothes. You're going to want to think about pallbearers. You're going to want to think about these. And all of this stuff is listed out. And just, you know, here are the things that you're going to have to think about when you go to meet with a funeral home because these are what they're going to ask you. So um, I have that list that I give them. And then I just have a list of local funeral homes and cremations and um, services and donation services and whatnot. And I'll say, here's just the local. You can certainly use anybody you want to, but here's our local funeral homes, the local cremation services, the local uh, donations that we normally use. These are the resources that are our typical go-to. You can use anybody, but, you you know, this is something. And so I I have those. Already, kind of that I give to people, and I certainly um, I look at, at maybe uh, putting it together a little bit differently and whatnot. As time changes and procedures change and stuff like that, we we might kind of make those a little bit different. But we we have something like that that we kind of give out,
1: and that might be an interesting well, thing like to... to put on the Ask the Corner uh, blog. The, the generic ones, I know that your local funeral home type stuff, but the generic ones, you you know, maybe that's something you can offer as a, as a link on your on the ask the corner blog that people can download because anywhere in the world, they may have the same, may have the same questions.
4: Right. Yeah. And that's (laughs) sort of what I was thinking when you were answering this is that it'd be great to have something on scene. And I think, you know, having that paperwork that Jackie gives on scene is great, but the ultimate best option would be for the person themselves to think about these things. That way their friends and family don't have to, um, because once you're dead, you're dead. And so, you know, it's, it would be great if we would could get this in the hands of everybody that they can fill out their own information. They can make these decisions. What picture do they want used in their obituary? Really take ownership of um, this whole process and be able to have make these choices for themselves. And that way, it just creates a lot less um, stress and work that they're grieving friends and family have to do. And so I think uh, your idea is great and something that we should add to the site, but we also did make a checklist and it's in the back of the book, which has a template to sort of get you starting a list of things that your coroner would want to know. And it um, lists out everything they should put, you know, on a piece of paper, we encourage them to write it all down. And then it gives a list of questions and decisions that they need to make. And so it really encourages people to make all these decisions, write it down, have it somewhere. That way, you know, if you die tomorrow, this stuff is taken care of. And so, yeah, I definitely think putting it on the site in a, in a, you know, a downloadable format is a, is a great idea if someone hasn't read the book or doesn't have access to that, that template in the book. You know, um, that's really our goal here is to get people doing this, thinking about this stuff.
1: Right. So Courtney, what's, what's next? Is there, is there another book already in the wings waiting or, or what, what are your plans is coming up?
4: (laughs) Well, you know, I, I think I will continue writing. We don't have another ask a corner related book going yet, but I would say if we continue collecting questions and, um, you know, get a bunch of new information and that was like Jackie was saying is our book is, is sort of shorter and, um, You know, we want it to be brief and lighthearted and super easy for the general public to get their hands on, but it seems clear that this is an interesting subject and people do want to know more. You know, if we continue to get these questions on our blog and we continue to, um, you know, build these connections like we've been doing, then who knows, maybe we could come out with a a sequel book or something else (laughs) sort of related to the field. But right now, I think we're just focusing on getting the first book out there and um, and sort of growing the blog so that people are aware that they have these opportunities to get in touch with someone who, you know, this is their life and that they begin to sort of think about these important things. We really want to normalize the, the conversation about death. And so that's really where we're sort of aiming and shooting right now is to, to get it out there and get people thinking.
1: Yeah, well, I think you've done that. It's it's a great book uh, to both of you, Courtney and Jackie. It's 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 a great book. I enjoyed reading it. Um, I enjoyed reading some of the questions. I'm like, really? You're going to ask that question? But people ask really questions. Um, and it is. And it's a good book. Of course, uh, I know they can be found on on Amazon. Is that is that the best place for someone to go to, to find it or is there other places? Is it on the blog? I don't think it's is it on the blog? I think it is.
4: It's on the blog, and we actually just link the Amazon because Amazon is like the number one book seller, seller in the U.S. right now, which is so funny. But um, that's really where most of our book sales come from. is on Amazon. They download it on the Kindle, or they just order it, the print copy. But it's available on you know Barnes and Noble dot com. Um, you can get it on Apple iTunes. You know, you can order it off of pretty much any vendor and then it's in some getting in some local bookstores and a couple of libraries um have requested it as well so i think just as a you know in my life amazon's the easiest way to get your hands on it but um you type it into google you know a bunch of different venues will pop up that you can get it off of
1: yeah yeah it's not hard to find spoiler alert you're going to die. And that's not too hard to type in and find. It comes right up um, automatically. So uh, Jackie, Courtney, thank both of you for being on the show. And and, and thank you for writing this book. I, I think it's, uh, like I said, an amazing book. You guys did a great job. I guess Jackie answering the questions and, and Courtney putting her writing skills together to to uh to put the book together. You did a great job and I think it's something that uh, every coroner and death investigator should get and read because it's going to tell you questions that the general public has because then you can start answering questions before they even ask. And that's what I found interesting about it was I better understand now some people I deal with, you know, because I know the questions they have. If, if, if people are sending them to you, mm-hmm. if one person has them, thousands of people have the same question. So it made me stop and think, well, maybe I need to be a little bit more informative. Maybe I need to think about this. What questions do you have? Uh, and not some of the off-the-wall things, but when you're on the scene, people don't understand the process. And so this, what that book did to me was there was some entertainment to it. That is true. But then at the same time, it <laughs> gave me a, a, a pause to think, Yeah, I really need to be thinking about this because there's a lot of questions out there, and people either don't want to ask or don't know to ask, and sometimes they don't even know what to ask uh, until it's it's too late. So, again, thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you for writing the book. You did an amazing job.
4: Thank Thank you. you, Thank you for having us. It's been a blast.
1: All right, I'm right back with you live here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Now Those are great ladies, and, and they really have a very interesting topic that they talk about. And I, again, like I said in the front of the show, I think it can maybe do something to help you locally. And it's a good PR thing as well. So it's been kind of a long episode here. I'm gonna let you go. Enjoy your summer. Remember, be a blessing to somebody. If there's anything I can do for you, if I can bless you in any way when it comes to training, helping you with some online training, Uh, If you need a speaker for your conferences, if you need to do some virtual training where get your people together in an office and I'll stay in Missouri and I'll live stream into your office and and we can do some training. It is a BMDI certified training. So uh, I think it's going to be something that that you'll find very interesting once we start doing that. So if there's anything I can do, just reach out. I'm helping people all the time. I'll do everything I can to help you and make everything work out to your favor. Until next week, everybody, again, find a way to be a blessing and Above all, be safe.
0: Thanks for listening to Coroner Talk, a DSPN media production. Visit our website at coronertalk.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash coronertraining. 3617-1024 scene on route to morgue.